For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The WTF1 Post-Race Podcast. Eight wins in a row for Max Verstappen. Two trophies in a row broken. There's been a mass culling at Alpine. The delay to the sprint race was almost longer than the actual race. Oscar Piastri firmly rules Carlos Sainz off this Christmas card list. And a welcome back to Sergio Perez, who refines his form of being 20 seconds behind this teammate with a soul devoid of all hopes and dreams. And that was pretty much the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. But we should probably delve into it a little bit more than that and to do just that alongside myself harry benjamin as always is callan o'keefe and this week we're really pleased to be joined by f1 content creator f1 caroline welcome caroline where are you in the world thank you i am in the united states of america on the east coast so for any of my f1 fans that make it across the pond i'd love to say hi absolutely well we're blessed to have you on the show um and Callum, yeah, you're here as always. Uh, Bye. Thanks for the warm intro there, Harry. You're I really so welcome. appreciate it. I was quite happy. I, was, I thought that intro, the main intro was quite good, actually. actually That's the best one right you've now. done the entire know, series. It, it was, really is. And, and I think it really sums up how we're all feeling, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> this, well, you know, this, go on, go on. This Max Verstappen show is, is just impeccable, isn't it? I mean, <sighs> he just keeps finding another gear. He's going to have to start last one race. It's the only way we can make a sport of this for the win. But when he almost if, didn't make it into what was it Q one or Q three, yeah. I was like, "This is our chance," and then he made it. I said, "Come on!" I he reckon even with the Delta, he has though. Even with that, it's it still wouldn't matter if we started him from pit lane. I think he'd still win the race by ten seconds. I said uh, over the weekend that he really, even in a Formula Two car, he'd still probably score points. Honestly, <laughs> so I mean. Eight in a row. It's massive. The, the record is nine in a row. Sebastian Vettel, which we're pretty much expecting Verstappen to take and surpass. And we can talk about and um, uh, you know how amazing Verstappen is. He's on another level, as Callan says. But the thing I want to pick up on is the team radio, Caroline, that we heard between him and his engineer, Jean-Pierre Lambayasi. Now, GP at the best of times can sound quite straight you don't know whether he's being sarcastic or not Mm -hmm. and we know they have a good relationship but over the weekend especially on Sunday I felt like it got a little bit frosty you know it felt a little bit like when you're reading a text message from somebody that you're not sure you're friends with or not and you're like are they being serious are they not and you kind of read really far into it I would say it was coming across a little tongue-in-cheek to me I felt like he was mostly kidding, but the lack of response from Max was what was the most concerning to me. I said, it is very quiet on the other end. So for him to feel like he needs to repeat himself has me wondering if there are some secret code message buttons on his, you know, on his uh, steering steering wheel. wheel. Yes. That maybe he, when he doesn't want to say it over the radio, that he's, that he's responding in another way, but that's just, that's my conspiracy theory. Callan. Have you ever had any frosty chats with with uh, an engineer? 
I um I had an engineer once. I'm not going to say which year because obviously on the very likely chance, unlikely chance that he listens to this, you'll know who he was. But there was one year, and we we didn't get along very well. And it's it's a really weird dynamic. This whole engineer to driver, especially your your race engineer, performance engineer, because you know the adrenaline's pumping for everyone, right? Everyone is so hyped up. There's so much on the line to deliver in that moment that sometimes tensions can get a little bit too much. And we saw that in Q2. I mean, that wasn't tongue in cheek. That was Max no. going full scale rage mode, wasn't it? So, and obviously you, you kind of look at it, this is a highly established Formula One engineer who's worked with some of the best drivers in the world. He's on the top of his game, helping Max Verstappen win. And it gets treated like that over the radio. You, you kind of have to have a very thick skin to be in Formula One full stop, don't you? And then to deal with Max Verstappen and deal with the Max Verstappen rage, you have to have an even thicker skin. So, you know, what a... What a tough man he is. Obviously, at some point, it's going to get a little bit too much. I think the summer break has come at the perfect time. Maybe they're going to book a little holiday together, you know. A little a little bit of therapy might help as well, might I add, you know. Let's do some bonding. Exactly. Couples of, <laughs> some bonding exercises, you know, something just to get that good relationship vibe back again when they come back after the summer break. But, yeah, I've, I've had it before where I had an engineer that I really didn't like. And every time I used to leave the pit lane, I just used to unplug my radio jack out so he couldn't no. do it. I just said the whole year that we had radio problems, but actually I just didn't want to hear what he was talking <laughs> And that, then you got sacked by Red Bull. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go one show without you mentioning it. One no, show. No, that's the sole reason you're here, Callan. That is the sole reason you are here. Um I mean, GP to me is the kind of guy to to say, Max, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. Like mm-hmm. that's how I feel like he comes across. But I do agree with what you said, Caroline. I think it most of it definitely was probably tongue in cheek. But that moment in qualifying where he did get Aggie, I think also underlines the fact that even though Verstappen can pretty much start wherever he wants at a Grand Prix and come through to win it, he's not getting complacent or he doesn't stand for it he knows that he still needs to push to the absolute max and he wants to do that because you know he doesn't want those errors to to crop in those simple mistakes to 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 creep in because i suppose when you are just so dominating it it then can become a bit easier to let to let small things kind of get in the way and then oh you do accidentally go out in q2 and you start 11th and you do that a couple of times and then it rolls and rolls and rolls and suddenly actually the dominance you had is suddenly dwindled i don't think that's going to happen but it's interesting just to to see that he he still has that fight in him which i think is quite quite relevant Mm -hmm. um on the other side of the garage though sergio perez Second, so and started se- and started second on the front row. So a better Grand Prix qualifying of, of recent times, right, Caroline? Um, inevitably got overtaken, but was it a good race for Perez? I don't. I feel like he can't win. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I mean, I'm not the expert. I feel like Callan is the person to ask on this because I can't get into the psyche of the drivers, but I do feel like some of it is probably mental. And we were just talking about momentum and Max want to keep, wants to keep that momentum going. And I think that Sergio has been struggling with some of that momentum. I also, the conspiracy theorist in me, I want to dissect both of those cars and just see if there's any difference, because I know that the core of everything is everything's the same. They're driving the same car. It's the driver. And I don't want to take away from Max at all. Max is an incredible driver that is just driving at the peak of his game. He is destroying everyone. There is no doubt about it. But sometimes when I say when I see how easy it was for Max to overtake Checo so quickly in the race, I'm like, 
there's got to be something. There's got to be something. <laughs> well, I, I think the big thing with, with Formula One especially is is every team has a different setup philosophy. And unfortunately, you know, it's it's like any other sport, whether it's golf or football or, you know, soccer, America. We've got, we got an American mm-hmm. here. Let's, oh, you know, thank there you. we go. I got you, don't worry. <laughs> um, but, you know, whether it's – everyone has slightly different styles. And, and the problem is the margins are so small. We always say it every week about you know, they're looking for hundreds, thousands, tens of a second – there's only one driver who you can develop a car philosophy around. And then it comes down to either the team choosing their number one or the driver making themselves the number one within the team. And I think that's something that we really see, especially someone like Red Bull. Max is the number one. And even those comments from Dr. Marco, you mm-hmm. know, they were they were brutal straight to the point. It was, you know, Sergio has finally got that illusion of being a world champion out of his head. And now he's finally fixed himself. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's that's not like, oh, well, we haven't got a number one. We let them race. It's Max is, is the guy. So everything's based around Max, the car setup philosophy, the way they develop the car. They'll probably take Max's feedback more seriously in terms of what they need to keep the car developing to stay ahead of their rivals. And so, of course, Max is going to feel more comfortable in the car and it's going to make it look like he's got a performance advantage and he's just doing the business. And And like you said, Harry, I think that's a good point. He's not just satisfied with rocking up, winning. He wants to dominate. He wants to be P1 every single session. And there's always been that question, hasn't there, when you hear the radio messages, when he delivers the win, whether or not he's still hungry for it. Well, that qualifying was the demonstration that actually he just wants to break records. He's here to win and P1 every session. So I think Sergio is going to have to up his game if if he wants to take the fight. And for me personally, I don't think he's doing... It's it's a step in the right direction, but it's nowhere near where it needs to be. Do you... Do you think that it ever crosses Perez's mind right now, especially because I feel like week in, week out, the media, and you know, that is us, are constantly talking about pressure on Perez. He's not good enough. Even when he's second, he's 20 seconds behind. It's unbelievable. Do you think part of him, uh, maybe, Callum, you're, you're the driver, if you could imagine yourself in this scenario where, you know, rewind to 2020, Sergio Perez wins in Sakir for racing points from the back of the fields on a high he's looking at the end of his career he's on an all-time high and everybody's thinking oh my god i can't believe we're going to lose sergio perez that you know the the tire whisperer the man who's been in formula one for a decade and always got the best out of his car is going to leave formula one and re- and retire you know however he wants to word it do you think he almost might think well, maybe that was a better time to have gone out rather than now a few years down the line and gone, yeah, I've got a few more wins and podiums to my name, but I will be the guy that was 20 seconds off of Verstappen, couldn't finish second all the time and actually always had pressure on himself every bloody week. Hindsight's a lovely thing, isn't it? (laughs) I think if you had probably said to Sergio at that point, well, Max Verstappen's coming through, you're going to be his teammate at Red Bull, do you think you can beat him? He was at 100%. And Mm. you don't get to Formula One without that, undying belief that you are the best driver in the world and you're capable of beating anyone. So that's the first kind of stumbling block in all of this. But, you know, if you, if you look at the Red Bull system, the way that it works, they are very vocal. They, they put a lot of pressure on the drivers. Like he knew what he was getting into. I mean, having had the experience myself as being a Red Bull junior, you, that, yeah, it's, it's about results. There's no question mark about anything like that. It's, I think it's very easy, as you say, for us to look from the outside and keep critiquing it. But, we look at the data. I, When I make my evaluation, very easy for me to sit here saying it, but it's based on the data. How far are you away from your teammate? How far are you finishing off in a race distance from your teammate? And 
when you have an advantage like he had this weekend, he had 10 laps to pull away while Max was carving his way through. The delta that he pulled to Max should have been bigger and there should have been a bit more of a fight. But yeah, I think it's easy to look back because if he'd finished his career then, he would have been like, well, what if I'd had my chance at a top team? Mm-hmm. And it's not actually the first time we've seen Sergio Perez move to a top team and struggle because he was the man in Sauber getting podiums, points. Then he moved to McLaren and things didn't quite go so well, did they? Um, if I got in, my in his, in his defense, the car was not great. I mean, he still wasn't beating his teammate, and that's no. always the marker in Formula One. It's can you beat your teammate? And yeah, that that's the person you get compared to. And and as I said in the chat earlier, in most teams, you get the opportunity to build yourself, build that team around you, and and create at least that momentum, create the team support, create the philosophy of them driving forward in terms of car setup. And he's just. He just hasn't done that at Red Bull. And, you know, they're the first to, to say that, they're the first to be ruthless. And he's now got to establish himself as a good number two to keep his seat. And that's a horrible place to be in there, that's for sure. Time for a quick ad break. And this episode of the WTF1 podcast has been brought to you by Factor. Now that we're in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals to support sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen, meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. Stick to your wellness goals with premium, ready-to-eat meals featuring high-quality ingredients such as brussellini, leeks, and asparagus. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon ready in just two minutes. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply of an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato and bacon and egg breakfast skillet. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This July, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash WTF150 and use code WTF150 to get, guess what, 50% off. That's code WTF150 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Did you um did you see the bit in the cool down room after the race where Perez was already in there and he'd put all of his stuff on on Max's P1 seat and then Verstappen just comes in and just just lifts it all up and moves it out of the way yeah. <laughs> just quite casually but just so brutal. I mean what a power play is that as well. Just the mind games that go on. Verstappen again unbeatable. Perez though I think if he can stay in second then you know Red Bull help Mark will be happy they don't want to ruffle any feathers there Verstappen's their guy for as long as Verstappen wants to be their guy um well that's Red Bull 
let's let's put them to one side because when you remove them, Caroline, it's a really good championship going on. An Truly. Absolute cracker. <laughs> I think it was George Russell that said, if we can just have Max not join, it's some really good F1 racing every the, weekend. The battle for third in the Drivers' Championship is immense at the yes. moment. It's, Alonso's only ahead by a point for Hamilton. It's fantastic. And then Leclerc's yes. right there. Signs as well. And the two McLarens coming up. Um, and actually on the McLarens... I was really hopeful this weekend, particularly for Oscar Piastri, because he just looked on it right Mm -hmm. from the start. He even Mm -hmm. had the edge over Lando Norris and he had a brilliant sprint. P2 in the sprint, his best finish in any kind of race format this year. But then it all went away in the Grand Prix. The qualifying Mm -hmm. wasn't as good for Piastri, still up there. But then Carlos Sainz comes across, pinches him into the wall at La Source. I mean, how did you read that? It was... When I first saw it, I had the thought, oh, I think that that was more Carlos's fault than Oscar's fault because Oscar was trying to yield, but he just did not, he didn't have anywhere to go. And then when I watched the replay, I it, I truly think that they made the right call in calling it a racing incident because there were three cars alongside. Lewis was closing the door. Carlos was trying to get ahead. Oscar was just stuck in a difficult spot and he was being bold in his initial getaway. And then I think he was trying to be cautious and then he got pinched. It's so unlucky. It broke my heart to see because you want to talk about momentum. He has had some serious momentum over the last couple of races. And I love to see him rise purely just so that he can kind of stick to the tweet that he tweeted last year. And I think that when he tweeted that, it was kind of like, okay, now he has to actually be good to be making these moves. (laughs) And he has, he's really shown up and I was really glad to see that. It was tragic to watch him fall and in DNF. It just gutted me. And then for Carlos to fall as a result as well, I think that was really sad because I think he's another driver that's in you know, driver two, even though Ferrari says they don't have driver one and driver two, he's, he's their unspoken driver too. And I think that he's got a lot of fire under his tush that he would like <laughs> to do really well. Um, so it was, it was sad to see both of them DNF as a result, but as far as what would have happened for him, I don't know. I feel like the McLaren kind of struggled in the dry conditions. So it's hard to say that he would have been challenging for the front, but I do think he would have finished in the points. Yeah, Callan, what do you reckon? Yeah, for me, actually, having watched it back, I would say Carlos was more at fault. And he, he kind of called out Oscar, didn't he? And says, oh, well, you know, in every junior category of ever race, that move down the inside into La Source never works. But equally, if you watch, I haven't worked out if Carlos was actually going for the move on Lewis or if he just misjudges braking. But the one thing for sure was that Carlos was locked up. Mm-hmm. And if you're locked up, you're not decelerating efficiently. You lose, you know, whatever it is, 25% of your, of your braking. But I don't know. How, I'm not good at maths, but you've you've lost a wheel that's slowing you down, basically. Um, so for me, it was him who was out of sync in terms of trajectory and momentum. It was him who then filled the gap that Piastri was in, and Piastri did his best to back out of it, but you, you can't just slam on the anchors because otherwise he'll lock up and plow into signs. So for me, I would say Carlos was more at fault. I think it is clumsy. It's a racing incident. I don't think anyone should be penalized for it, but it's, it is, as Carlos said, it's classic it's classic spa racing into turn one, but I would say I'd flip it more the other way and say the driver with the, ex- the with more experience should be the one not making the mistake. But what do you, what do you think, Harry? Well, I I would say I think having watched watched it and even calling it in the moment, um, signs had locked up, and I think 
he moved to the right because otherwise he was going to go into the back of Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Lewis, the- Lewis Hamilton's tush. technical term (laughs) and i think he moved to the right in an instant and and piastri had room in front of him and then suddenly it was gone and i and piastri already had part of his car alongside signs and 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 then he just pinched him and pinched him until it was it was too late so i do think signs was the instigator and uh you know he shouldn't have locked up simple as then none of that would have happened so mm-hmm. you know but i also think turn one lap one racing incident these things happen yeah. could have been a lot yeah. worse for both uh that's that's my two pence anyway but what could have been for piastri uh, but as caroline mentions the 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 mclarenans in the dry as we saw with norris just didn't look like they had certainly not the straight line speed that we've seen uh in recent uh races so uh let's see what they can come up and do uh when we come back in uh, uh, the netherlands in uh, what three or four weeks time Let's keep on the sprint, though, for for a minute, um, because there was another controversial uh, move going on, Oof. Caroline, with with Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez coming to blows. Uh, Perez this time coming off worse and ultimately retiring the car with a hole in the side pod caused mm-hmm. by Lewis Hamilton going into the side of him. He got a penalty for that, did Lewis Hamilton, which dropped him from fourth down to seventh. I felt that was harsh it looked like a great racing move in wet weather conditions it was great entertainment i think it was harsh um i i want to just say that i think that lewis hamilton is a great driver and i don't think he makes a lot of mistakes and i don't necessarily think that this this is an intentional mistake but he was behind and he was attempting to overtake. And so I think that most of the time in those situations, the fault is at the person is on the person that was behind. I don't think he was trying to take Perez out, but I didn't think it was unfair to give him the penalty purely because it did look a little intentional and it caused damage have, that have took him team, out. Team LH are going to be oh, all over no. you. <laughs> I want to go on the record. I think he's a great driver. I am. It doesn't a matter fan what him, you say but... now. You said it. It's all over. Oh no. Uh, oh no. Ritz, it was don't going kill so me. Well. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, sorry. So, so was Hamilton robbed in Abu Dhabi? Should we go on to that now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I will. I will put my money down on that one. He was. I'm going to leave right now. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so I much. Sleep that night. It was. It was. Mm, it was. Uh, I was unwell. Uh, I, I, I get the feeling Callum that you disagree with Caroline Uh, I so (laughs) I have there's a there's a a regulation in the FIA sporting code and I have used this so many times to my advantage which deems that if a driver is significantly alongside the car who is ahead must leave at least a car's width of the apex and for the avoidance of doubt a significantly alongside is their front wing level with your rear wheel now, I hope everyone doesn't Google the wording of that, but I'm pretty sure that's the thing. And again, it's gotten me out of a lot of crashes in the past. But basically, by that definition, actually, I think it was the, the actual situation which Lewis found himself in was correct. Perez got a slow exit out of Stavolo. Lewis was alongside. Perez knew he was there and he pinched him. The only thing I haven't seen to make a proper educated decision on why Lewis was given the penalty based off of my understanding was, was he fully in control? Was he at full lock and sliding because he was on the 
the racing line. And obviously in the wet, the racing line creates like a, a rubber coating, which is very, very slippery. So did he, was he on the racing line and then slid and understeered into the side of Perez? And that's why he was given the penalty. But again, from my side, looking at it objectively from two drivers that have that much experience, Lewis could have waited. I think he, he had the speed to get it done anyway. It was a very, very risky place to pass. And equally, you know, if you pass in the last sector at Spa, you normally get passed again through a Rouge up the top, the Kemmel into, into Lacombe. So it's a bit, it, it didn't need to, need to be done, I don't think. Um, and equally, Perez could have given him more space. I think Lewis was given the penalty because Perez's race was ended from it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I haven't seen the onboard. By pure definition of car placement, I would say it was a harsh penalty, but I haven't seen to see whether he was in control of the vehicle because that's the most important thing when dishing out penalties. Yeah. And there's my application as a job as an FI steward. Over yeah. and done. Every week. Yeah, you way ha- to go. Every week, Callan hands that in and it always gets handed straight back to him. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually I do agree. I, I think it was harsh, but my one sort of, I argued with myself on this. I was like, well, actually, it ultimately it did result in Sergio Perez retiring. But then you shouldn't judge a move based on the consequences of it, you know, it was racing. Even Hamilton said, you know, like Ayrton Senna once said, if you no longer go for a gap, then you are no longer a racing driver. Is that in the FIA regulations? It probably should be. Um, so, uh, well, let's let us know what you think on that one. Was the sprint race penalty that Lewis Hamilton received worthy or was it uh, too harsh? Let us know. Um, outside of the weekend, uh, well, still on the weekend, but outside of the actual on-track action, my, my, Alpine, what on earth is going on there? It is all over the shop. It's just, I could just imagine that meme where everything's on fire and people are just running around. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the office, the US office. Which is, don't don't oh panic, word. don't panic. <laughs> um, Callan, Otmar Zafnauer is out, the team principal. Alan Permain, who is the sporting director, who's been there for 34 years, gone the French um, um, manager managerial board are coming in and have basically said, well, I think what we've witnessed this season is not good enough and Otmar and the, the main team are not on the same timeline as the rest of the Alpine group. Um, but to announce it sort of in the middle of a weekend while, while they're still there just felt a bit bizarre. It's it's a bold strategy. Let's see how it plays out for them. Would be by... <laughs> I see. I I trawled the internet trying to find the real reason because I've I don't remember seeing anything like that in Formula One in recent times where they got rid of so many senior figures on a race weekend. You just it just doesn't happen. So I I can't imagine it's just because of performance. There must be something else that's happening. I I was messaging people left, right, and center. I was trying to work out what's going on. I, Who are you messaging? Who are your no, contacts? I'm not going to say Atmar. anything. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't respond. He was still, you know, hammered yeah. from his plane journey. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I don't really know. And hopefully we'll find out more in the next few weeks. You know, motorsport is a, is a very small world. Everyone talks. The truth eventually comes out. And yeah, I, I, I don't really know what I think about it. I I did they're not having a great season. I think some of it hasn't actually been their fault. They've been caught up in a lot of unfortunate incidents as well. And the momentum we've spoken about it before, the momentum of a Formula One team, there's so many people working there. Everyone needs to be driving forward. And when there's that many setbacks, it's very difficult. But yeah, I I'm curious to see I don't know what your opinions are on it or the, the people at home, but I'm curious to see how this plays out. And if it works, strategic genius. And if it doesn't, well, 
yeah, kind of saw that one coming. I'm going to sit both sides of the fence on this one. <laughs> yeah, really, really enjoyed that fence. But I mean, yeah, Caroline, is it something to do with, you know, look at the, the, the uh, they, they lost Alonso, the contract nightmare of Piastri. Yes. Uh, you know, I know uh, it wasn't their fault, the double DNF last time out in Hungary, but then, you know, you look at Australia and they were probably on for some good results there in that last sort of red flag restart and they ended up sort of being involved in the same collision. Just trauma. <laughs> You know, they've lost a lot of points. They they rocked up into Bahrain. Everyone seemed to think, oh, Alpine, they seem a bit black horse here. You know, they seem, apparently they're really buoyed. Where are they going to be? And they had all this big plan to be, you know, up in the top three. Um, and now they're, they're, they're not even in that battle, really, for the second fastest team. They're detached. They're almost in their own sort of midfield. And that's it. It's just Alpine. You've got everybody. You've got McLaren, Ferrari, Aston Martin in front of them. Alpine on their own. And then you've got, you know, the Hassan. Everybody the else Alpine, them. Williams. Yeah. yeah. So... So I, I'm, I'm assuming it's an amalgamation of all of that. And Alpine have just gone, you know what? Ryan Reynolds has come in. We need to cut you all off. <laughs> you know, I said to I said to my husband as we were, because we were in the car on the way home and so that I could come for this. And I said to him, I was like, a lot has happened since they announced Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan you Reynolds can't help but principal. wonder if Deadpool's in there <laughs> doing something as I'm like talking about all my conspiracy theories. But no, that's not actually one of them. But I don't know. I have consistently said that I believe that Esteban Ocon is the unluckiest man alive this year. I mean, it's just one thing after another that has happened to him. And it, as, an, as a result, it has, it has affected the team. I think the team principal is always the first person to blame when things aren't going well. It's the first head to get chopped. And so... I'm going to I'm going to sit with Callan on this one. If it's yes. if it's if it results well, I'm like, oh, I knew this is going to happen. And if it goes poorly, it's like, oh, I knew this is going to happen. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the fence. It's very nice up here. Yeah. It is. Appa- great view. Apparently, uh, Zafnauer said to Sky Germany that we, he will have a significant role in a new team. Well, not well, with his new team where he can change things, things he wanted to do with Alpine. He can't say the team yet, but he hopes he can reveal it soon. Wow. So what does I, that mean? I, who, who are those teams going to be? Should we throw some conspiracy well, are we into thinking then? Are we thinking that it's going to be one of the new teams or an existing team? If we get new teams or an existing team. I think if, if what I believe to be true If Callum's sources true, are correct. If the sources are correct... There is a very, very prominent British junior single-seater team that lodged an entry into Formula One and very recently changed their name. They took out their title sponsor. We all got the Facebook notification. Yeah, I know. I'm just telling you, like, (laughs) for the people who didn't, for the avid fans. And I have been hearing on the grapevine that there is a a lot of work going into that. And, you know, we're in the same paddocks. I look after drivers that are in the same paddocks as them and... We've been hearing some words, so maybe, and I, w- I want to throw this out here in case it does come true. If it doesn't, again, just ignore this and no one will remember anyway. Maybe he's heading to a Silverstone-based team that will have a nice grey and black livery. Why are you being so coy about it? We all know it's high-tech. Why? Oh, well, yeah, I know, but I just <laughs> add some mystery, please. But we all know reveal. who it is. It's high-tech and, and Andretti, all right? Yeah, They're well, be probably the new teams, okay? Yeah, okay, fine. It's high-tech or Andretti. Oh, Take away the mystery from it all. You also make people go do their research and exactly. learn their schooling. Yeah, you got to empower people to go and research so that they don't listen to what we say because I'm not 100% sure it's actually correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you sit on the fence. Exactly. Uh, um Okay, well, that's the Mascala Alpine. Um, we we are uh, we are not rocketing through this quickly enough. So, um, 
quick answers for this one. Should Spa host a sprint race next year, Caroline? No, I think that the lap times are too long and I think that the weather's too much of a variable. I think, no, I think it was fun, but I think it didn't, it didn't prepare anybody really well for Sunday because they didn't have enough time to work on the tires. Callan? I, I don't really like the sprint race format, to be honest with you. I don't really think it should be a thing. I, I understand why it's there. So I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and say, I don't think it's a spa problem. I just, I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't really enjoy watching the sprint races, to be honest. Maybe I'm one of the only ones, but I like the sort of traditional classic Grand Prix format of qualifying race. Off you go. So um, no, but no in general to sprint races. What do you think, Harry? Okay. Um, uh, so Bolt, you're not sitting on the fence for a change. That's a, that's a chance. <laughs> Um, it's been one opinion. opinion. Yeah, it's been one opinion. I, I don't know. I I actually like. I I I don't think Spa is the best place for it for the reasons Caroline said and the weather. You know, because the delay for the sprint race was longer than the race ended up being itself. Yeah. So you know, and, and I enjoyed the race. It was entertaining, and we got you know a one two three. Yeah, Verstappen was P1, but, you know, Pastry was P2, Gazi was P3. It was quite nice to see some some different cars up there in the front, you know, three different manufacturers. It was great, you know, from that perspective. I, I like the sprint because we, go, we get straight into it and it does put everybody on the back foot. I like the fact that they go into everything a bit in the unknown. They only get one practice session and then we are straight into qualifying. I quite like the rush nature of it. And then Saturday just feels like it's a bit of a standalone event. I, I I wonder, I would like F1 to try a reverse grid just to see yes. how that would go. Yes, that I'm in favor of. That would I, be mega. I would like Is it to only s- because of Max that we're in favor of the reverse grid though? No, well, no. So I, I would they do this reverse grid concept in F3 and F2 and, and for example, British F4 I was this weekend, they do a full reverse grid from qualifying and so does, does GB3, which is the old British F3 championship. And it's awesome. The racing is so good because- you're actually forced to change your strategy a little bit. And I know it's it's single make series, so it's it's a you know, a bit and they're young, young drivers. So but it really works. The racing's entertaining in cars where we can't traditionally follow because aero is a, a concept we can't get rid of, unfortunately, and, and you know, dirty air. It really works. You see the grid shaken up, you see great passing, you see inventive passing of stuff that you haven't seen before and and names that aren't necessarily at the front get given their chance. So I'm going to revert back, actually. Let's do a sprint race, but let's make it a full reverse grid. Yeah. I, I just feel like, you know, F1 seems to be quite open to trying things out and then seeing if they work or not. So I, I just, I want them to, to try it, but I know there's a lot of pushback, I think, from the top teams on this. Um, but actually, you talk of the support races. Did, did anybody catch the F2 and the F3 over, over this weekend as well? Because I, I didn't, I didn't watch all of it. Well, actually, I didn't watch any of it. I just seen bits and bobs and heard things on Twitter. It sounded like absolute bedlam in both of yeah. them. Yeah, it was obscene. I I've mean, never seen a headrest come fully out of a car before. That I've, was mental. I've on, not on seen car. so much carnage. I mean, the championship leader in F two binded on the formation lap. When oh. do you ever see that? It was amazing. I need to go back and watch. If you haven't seen the F2 or F3, like me, you need to go back and watch it because I've heard 100%. enough about it and and, uh, and it sounded mental. Um, let's talk Alpha Tauri briefly, shall we? Because um, I'm always rooting for Yuki Tsunoda in no matter what capacity. And I was really upset when uh, he had absolutely nothing for Daniel Ricciardo in Hungary, Caroline. Um, but second time around, uh, uh, certainly helped but the fact that Ricardo didn't have the well he's qualifying lap got deleted didn't he but Sonoda rocked it up through the order in the first couple of laps and was right mm-hmm. up there and managed to hold on to a point 
Yeah. I I think it's too early for people to be saying that Daniel Ricardo is taking down Yuki and he's beating his team. I'm like, it's been two races, people. Calm down. He's really excited to be there. There's definitely something to be said for that. He's also, I know he's been working really hard at Red Bull, but he's been getting more rest than these other guys have been getting and they've been pushing all season. And so I think it's too early to say that Daniel Ricardo is outperforming his teammate when I think Yuki showed this weekend that he can fight up to get there in the points and Daniel just stayed at the back. This is where you talk, Callan. Yeah. I'm what sorry. did you think, Callan? Sorry. I was, I was trying to formulate my thoughts there. You really I, was, looked like, I thought you were about I to was, say something. I was giving you your chance to cut in for a change. I'm always oh, talking. Oh, no well, you one... know what? Then fine. Shut up then. Um, I, I will cut in. You just look like you had something to say. Uh, oh, what a shambles. So sorry. Um, I, I, I agree, but I, I worry. I think Daniel Ricciardo will very quickly get on top of things, especially now that the break has come, you know, giving him two races to get back into the swing of things, get that re- rest reset, understand he's already very quickly back on the pace because he would have outqualified Sonoda in the Grand Prix if he hadn't had his lap time deleted for, for, for going over track limits. And I worry that if you put the two cars side by side, out and out pace, Sonoda doesn't have it compared to Ricardo. I, I, I'm going to agree with Caroline on this. I think let's wait and see because we're all so quick to judge. And I didn't want to bring him up in this podcast, but... You know, look at what happened to Nick DeVries. I mean... Uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to bring him up. The media aren't talking about him. We're not supposed well, to talk I, about him. I want justice for Nick. No, I, can I, I tell you, I, can I just say, he's been spotted. He has been spotted. He was at okay. the He was at the Formula E this weekend. So he is alive. And yeah, well. he's, he had lunch with Toto Wolff immediately afterwards, didn't he? And it's... And that, know, yeah, yeah. But I, I, think, I think the problem is we're all trying to be... And I've just said this over the last 35 minutes of trying to make ridiculous outlandish predictions. We're all trying to be the person that, you know, makes that next prediction, are we? And I think it's too close to call. I think Yuki is doing a good job. He showed that by how he kind of dominated over DeFries. And Daniel Ricciardo's come back. He's clearly in good form. And it's it's very difficult to actually evaluate where a driver's at because, again, there's been a shift. And working with your teammate is is as much as they hate each other, is equally as important because he's the only reference point you have or she's the only one you have to learn from. So you're kind of stuck there going, well, I need to work with them, but every person works slightly differently. The team needs to shake out how to work together and that will probably be impacting Yuki as well because he's now trying to work out, okay, well, maybe DeFreeze was stronger in a certain area, but Daniel's now matching him. He's going to have to spot those areas where he can learn from Daniel and then we'll see really where the pace is. So I think we need another two or three races to actually fully assess it's great that daniel's on top of the car very quickly his pace is there but let's see because it's punch for punch isn't it so daniel's hit the first punch in let's see now how you can can respond after the summer break mm, okay no i i, I like that because I, I want i want yuki to do well i just i like the guy um there we all there we, we, all. All. we all everyone's a sonoda fan um okay now's the part of the show where we have the wtf1 podium so we all need to nominate our star performer, our worst performer, and our biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. You can play along at home as well. Um, Caroline, you're the guest. You may go first. Give us your star performer to begin with. My star performer. I'd have to say, and it's gonna, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I actually feel like Alex Albon 
raced his little tush off this weekend. And while he did not get it into the points, he was doing some masterful overtakes that I felt like were overlooked. And he was really, I felt like he won the biggest fight award. So your star performer was uh, a solid 14th place in the Grand Yes. <laughs> I like having you on here. You just, <laughs> you just curveballs left, right and center. <laughs> Keep me on your toes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, you, I mean, it's your opinion. You can have that. That's fine. Talent, uh, talent. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> I, well, yeah, exactly. I will give an honorable shout out to Alex Oban, actually, because I expected more from Williams. But I think the reason why they weren't as fast as I expected them to be was because they probably went for a slightly higher downfall setup um, to to put themselves in the mix for the rain. That's that's the only understanding I can get from why all of a sudden when we go to a place that, that is dominant with straight line speed, they're not really there. Yeah. And they didn't look very punchy in the race. They looked like, it looked like Alex was struggling and so was Logan. So I think they actually had more potential. They just took a gamble on the rain that we all thought was coming and didn't really work out in the dry race. But my star performer was, was Oscar Piastri. You know, he had the measure of Lando the whole weekend. He did the job. He did the job in the sprint race. He was right there. And unfortunately, it was an incident turn one, but it shouldn't take away from what has been a really, really strong three weekends where actually now we're seeing him take on the guy that dominates McLaren. So let's, again, another little spicy topic to uh, keep an eye on when we come back from the summer break. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, actually, um, because I, w- I also would like to, to pick uh, Oscar Piastri as my star performer as well. Um, despite just on the, the same the page, one. I know. I, I I feel like that's boring, but but um, but I do want to, to put that um, worst performer. I'm going to start with this one, and it goes to um, that uh, Haas, but particularly the Nico Hulkenberg side of the garage because they just had an absolute howler of a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, every move they made was wrong. Their qualifying strategy was bizarre they didn't time it right they had a hydraulics issue and just absolutely lacking pace all round um so i'm sorry i like the Haas team but Haas and hulkenberg for me my worst performer uh let's go back the opposite way callan i just get it get out of my head harry it was a, <laughs> a absolute wounder of a weekend that's the only way i can describe it um yeah unfortunately not great for uh for Nico Hulk and Goat, and hopefully he can bounce back in the next one. <laughs> Hulk and Goat. Hulk and Goat. Hulk is Hulk Ken, isn't it? Berg. Okay. Um, yeah, Nico with, Hulk and Goat, mate. He's with, with the Ken. Dead. Would you ever go, you know, full Ken blonde? Um, no. Next question. Why did we actually? Do, you know, you said he that he did it for publicity. Was that the actual reason why he did it? No, whole... I think he was lying. I think he, having having met Nico now, I interviewed him at Silverstone. He's an absolute wind up. He is the biggest jokester I've come across. Him and Kevin Magnussen are the most opposite personalities. K Mag is so like quite quiet and reserved, and Nico is just like there for the banter, purely there for that. He's got nothing. Oh, to I would say right. that's why he's the goat. You know what I mean? Like that's why he's <laughs> Nico Hawking <laughs> goat. <laughs> Well, Caroline, was it Nico Hulk and Goat for you as well? It or was. Else? I won't keep it interesting for you guys. I felt like start <laughs> to finish, there was just three out of three. nothing that you could do. So Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, well, let's do uh biggest surprise then, Caroline, of the Grand Prix. Pierre Gasly. And not necessarily for the Grand Prix itself. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I felt like he was doing his best to manage his tires for the Grand Prix, but to see him P3 in the sprint race, I was like, okay, Pierre, you better just make the most of what you got and fight. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. 
how are you going next? You, you're, you're, you know, you're always trying to throw the opinions onto other yes. people. What do you think? It's what do you think? Host. It's because somebody has to host this podcast, Karen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my biggest surprise performer uh, was uh, Charlotte Claire, actually, um, because a pole, that Ferrari, really quick, especially in those tricky conditions when it goes from wet to dry colder in you know the clothes have been really struggling with that you know go back to spain he, he he qualified 19th or something didn't he and had said there was a problem with the car turns out there wasn't a problem with the car and he's been getting incrementally better and better over the last few races and, and clearly got had the pace to put it on pole i think everyone knew he wasn't going to win the race but he had third controlled absolutely and held the lead for as long as he could, three corners, uh, but then had third absolutely under his belt. Hamilton couldn't match him, best of the rest. Uh, and Ferrari, decent strategy, good pit stops all round. So obviously it's the biggest surprise performer. Yeah, I I would say at the top, that was, that was again, just get out of my head. It's like we were watching the same race, isn't that fun? <laughs> God, but man, I would say my... My other surprise was I already kind of touched on it. I, I thought Williams were going to be far stronger here. I really did. Mm. I thought we were going to see Alex Alban back again and start the hype train. And it it just didn't materialize. And as I said, I think he was maybe down to a bit of setup. I also would say the surprise was watching Oscar beat Lando. I think that I would have never seen that coming. You know, Lando had a bit of a gap to him. So, But Ferrari pulling it out of the bag. They clearly listen to the podcast. They're taking all the abuse, all the criticism on board. And I can't wait for us to be invited for our tour of Marinello. Now we've said something positive. I can't wait. We're just fueling their fire. You know, we've got to to fuel that fire to get them up to where they belong. Um, Okay. Well, look, we are out of time. It goes by very quickly, doesn't it? Um, But now F1 enters the summer shutdown, uh, an enforced break. Uh, We have four weeks until we see cars on track again next time out in Zandvoort in the Netherlands. Uh, We will still be here, though, every week to keep you company throughout the break. So if there's anything in particular you want us to discuss, let us know. Callan will be coming live from Mykonos at some stage. So perhaps a Mykonos tour is on on the... uh, well, well, a couple of years ago, I was in Mykonos and um, there's a very nice beach club in Mykonos called Namos Beach, I think it's called. And uh-huh. other, other beach clubs are available. Um, and I was sat on a sun lounger with my brother and <laughs> we saw it. Uh, it was complete commotion in the afternoon. Everyone gets on tables and dances and kind of like a big ruckus around. And a driver, I'm not going to say who, I can't remember if they posted on the social media. I'm not going to out a Formula One driver ended up coming there with another one of his friends. I'll let the people at home guess who it was. And around two, three hours later, they were spraying champagne everywhere. So uh, check in on the socials some point next week. And if we, we're going to go Formula One driver spotting and I, I can't wait for it. It's like a safari. Well, if you so find one, if you find one, get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Charles, mate. Can you come back to my hotel room? You WTF one podcast once you, can you just spare us five minutes? I know you've had a couple of drinks. It'll make it more interesting. Come on then, mate. Have you just revealed that it was Leclerc? who? who no, I've thrown you a curveball. So close. You'll have to wait and find out for this year's edition. Oh, well. Um, well, look, uh, thank you so much uh, to uh, everybody for joining us. Uh, we will be here every week. In the meantime, make sure you're following and subscribe to the WTF1 social and YouTube channels. Uh, but for myself, uh, Harry Benjamin from Callan O'Keefe and F1 Caroline, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Before we let you go, um, any final words? What are you looking forward to in the second half of the season? 
I'm really looking forward to Formula One coming back to America. And just thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been a true delight to be so kind and entertain all my incorrect opinions. It's been so (laughs) much fun to chat and hear from you guys. And to the listeners, please don't look up my address and come for me. I promise you, I like Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, For Team LH, it's at F1 Caroline, uh, I believe, on most social media. So that's the one. Uh, Anyway, we'll leave it there. F1 Caroline, Caroline O'Keefe. Thank you very much. This has been the WTF1 Post Race Podcast. See you later.